0: chapter 18 I don't have a title title slide for you but the title of this message is invitation to restoration Alex great job with the communion we could just meditate on that as I think about the scriptures that that Alex shared I think there's two words that, that go together it's it's the forgiveness of Jesus it's the forgiveness of God And how it is restorative. Those two words go together. And when we talk about being followers of God, if we talk about being partners with God. And we talk about what the story is, the theme is throughout scripture, what God is doing. He's restoring. He's restoring. He's restoring back to good. I believe it's in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 31. I think it it, it says God has created all these things and they were good. You know, we don't always start there. What God created was good. We usually go to the part where the sin story starts. And that's where we start at. And when we start there, we miss the idea that what God created was good. Now, sin came into the world man's choices, and made the world not so good. Not so good, not good. And from that point on, God went into the business of restoring and looking for partners to restore creation. To what it was originally. This morning, I want to talk about something that uh, it's difficult to talk about. I don't know how you felt when we talked about forgiveness, an invitation to forgiveness. Ethan preached on that uh, last week. Um, I was super uncomfortable. I was uncomfortable, and and I, I I got up and I had this. I don't know if it's spiritual senses, but it's like spidey senses. I just I looked around and I was just like. I got to study this out. I got to wrestle with this. You know, there's a rabbinic teaching before Jesus came on the scene. And when it came to wronging someone. Men and women were charged. Well, men were charged to go and to seek out. Have I sinned against you? And so. I started this track. Sunday, connecting with folks, and if I haven't got to you yet, I'll get to you. But I started asking people, have I sinned against you? And I want to understand how I've sinned against you. So that I can repent. Because the idea of forgiveness is that it brings restoration. Every time that you hear that God does something as far as forgiveness is concerned, it brings restoration. I want to ask you this morning. How did you respond to this lesson concerning forgiveness last week? You know, the guys that I connected with, I asked them, hey, why don't you ask somebody? Have I sinned against you? I want to know. I want to know how so I can repent. I want to take this 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 time this morning and I want to talk about the idea of I want to I want to take. There's some barriers that get in the way of us being able to have forgiveness and have forgiveness be a restorative thing. You know, when I first heard the word forgiveness, the first thing I thought about is vulnerability. You are vulnerable. When you lay yourself before someone and you say, have I sinned against you? I mean, imagine that. It's like, hit me up. You know, sometimes there's barriers that get in the way. And as I listened to conversations, I was moved to to study this passage out, and I just want to share some some barriers. And I want us to um, really think about the idea of forgiveness. And are we restorers? If we are restorers, the people around us will be restorers. If we are restorers, it directly affects. The mission. If we can't get forgiveness right, it's going to be really hard for people to understand forgiveness, to experience forgiveness, to experience God and to have a sustainable, healthy relationship with God. Without forgiveness, there is no restoration. I'm going to share a couple of passages. I'm going to share a couple of roadblocks. And uh, I'm going to share a little bit of a charge. And I'm going to try to do this in a way that I'm not going to give you five lessons at a time. I'm going to try to break this down into pieces. And the first piece that I want us to understand when it comes to forgiveness is the heart. The heart is integral in the idea of forgiveness. Are you in Matthew 18? Now, I'm I'm reading the, the parable of the unmerciful servant. In verse 21, it says, and Peter came to him and he said, Lord, how many times can my brother sin against me? And I forgive him. As many as seven times. I tell you, not as many as seven, Jesus said to him, but 70 times seven. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who wanted to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began to settle accounts, one owed 10,000 talents and was brought before him. Since he had no way to pay it back, his master commanded that he, his wife, his children, and everything he had be sold to pay his debt. You know, we see in this text right here, it's, it's actually a, a flow of things. It's a flow of things. Before that, in verse 15, it talks about restoring a brother. And before that, it talks about lost sheep and restoring them. And before that, it talks about who's the greatest. And it talks about children and not causing uh, having a childlike faith and not causing people with uh, children to struggle, to, to, to falter. And he gets to this piece. And and I want to show you this in in the restorative part with the brother in in verse 15. There's this piece where it says in, in 18, it says, I assure you, whatever you bind on earth is already bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth is already loosed in heaven. Again, I assure you, if two of you on earth agree about any matter you pray for, it will be done for you by my father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name. I am there among them. Now I'm setting up. I'm going back. And I want you to understand this about this passage. Jesus has given his disciples authority. Do you know what it means to to bind and to loose? What you permit or prohibit. In your fellowship. So when you restore someone, the spiritual people in the group, they get together and they talk about what will we permit And what will we prohibit? And based on that, a person either responds to it or they're sent away for a little while. The idea isn't to condemn them. The idea is that they hear what they hear. They see what they see and they respond. They repent. They are restored. And so when we get to this, this piece in, in Matthew 18, Jesus has given them authority. But at the same time, he says, don't get carried away with it. And he says, you need to restore people like God does. And now we're in the story and and Jesus is sharing when you when you bind and loose, when you restore someone to the fellowship, when you restore them, you have to have the heart of God. Does that make sense? So we have this the slave uh, you, you, you have this 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 uh, Old Testament passage, 70 times uh, seven. Um, it has everything to do with the great, great, great grandson of Cain and evil has prevailed. And he's gotten to this peace and he's got these consequences on him. He doesn't. He's killed people and he's like bragging about it. He's the first person to marry two women. He's the first polygamist. And he brags and he says, man, if, if my great, great grandfather was protected and, and, and whoever kills him is going to get. Look at me, I'm evil. And I get more grace. And so what is he saying? He's saying that God forgives people that don't deserve forgiveness. And then he goes on to give an example of this forgiveness. Now, please understand this. Unchecked sin doesn't only have an effect on you. It has an effect on your family. It has an effect on the people around you. God wants to restore. And in verse 26, it says, At this the slave fell down before him and said, Be patient with me, I will pay you everything. Then the master, uh, the master of that slave had compassion and released him and forgave him. Remember these words. They go with forgiveness. Compassion. Release. And forgiveness. But that slave went out and he found his fellow slave who owed him a hundred denarii and he grabbed him and he started choking him and he said, Pay what you owe. At this, his fellow slaves fell down and began begging him, Be patient with me. He, the, the fellow slave fell down and, and, and did the same thing Be patient with me and I'll pay you back. But he wasn't willing. On the contrary, he went and threw him into prison until he could pay back what he owed. When the other slaves saw what had, t- had taken place, they were deeply distressed and went and reported to their master everything that had happened. You know, the idea here is, is, is we see in this passage that We have a slave that, that couldn't pay back his debt. There was no way in, in the world that he would be able to pay back his debt. But the king, who is God, the master, relieved him, forgave him, had compassion on him, and released him. And then he goes out. And he runs into somebody that could pay back what they owed, and he chokes him out, and he puts him in jail. He doesn't show compassion, he doesn't forgive, and he doesn't release. Now, when you think about this, if we don't understand forgiveness, how can we give it to each other and how can we go out and preach about restoration? You know, it's interesting that the community saw this and they went to the Lord on on the the offended's behalf. Then after he had summoned him, the master said to him, you wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Shouldn't you also have had mercy on your fellow slave and and as I've had mercy on you? And his master got angry and handed him over to the jailers until he could pay everything that he owed. So my heavenly father will also do to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from his heart. So my heavenly father will also do to you. If each of you does not forgive his brother from his heart. Pray. God, we lift up this time. We pray that you'd help us to throw off everything that hinders. Father, help us to hear your word. Speak to our hearts. Move in an incredible way. We thank you. In advance, and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. What does it mean to forgive someone from the heart? What comes to mind? What do you think about when we say, when we hear this, to forgive someone from the heart? What does that mean? Does anybody know? I'm sure somebody knows. To love them unconditionally. unconditionally. That's good. Yeah. <coughs> that sounds a little weird, but you, you, could you could you elaborate on that? Yes. Okay. Let, let's let's start with this: how important the heart is in the idea of forgiveness. In scripture, the Bible says, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. You know, the heart is mentioned in the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. With all your mind. And with all your strength. The heart. In Scripture literally is put in more than 800 times literally and that doesn't talk about the times that it talks about the heart in 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 action now I want you to consider this this is the first and greatest commandment it it has to do with our hearts the Shema has to do with our hearts the Old Testament all throughout Scripture our hearts is gauged as important where to guard it. I read this really uh, cool article by a guy named Michael Hyatt, and he talked about guarding the heart for it is the wellspring of life. Why should we guard our hearts? It's got three reasons I want to give them to you because the heart is extremely valuable. Mr. Hyatt says we don't guard worthless things. I take my garbage to the street every Wednesday night. It's picked up on Thursday morning. It sits on the sidewalk all night, completely unguarded. Why? Because it's worthless. Not so with your heart. It is the essence of who you are. It is your authentic self, the core of your being. It is where your dreams, your desires, your passions, your your, your livelihood, it's where it comes from. Your heart is the part that connects with God and with other people. Why guard your heart? Because your heart is the source of everything you do. King Solomon said that it's a wellspring of life. In other words, it is the source of everything else in your life. Your heart overflows into your thoughts, your words and your actions. Why should you guard your heart? Because your heart is under constant attack. When Solomon says guard your heart, he implies that you are living in a combat zone. One in which there are casualties. He goes on to conclude, if your heart is unhealthy, it threatens everything else, family, friends, career, everything. The heart is a big deal. There's a dynamic that I don't know if we all understand There's something that gets in the way of us being able to forgive. For us being able to get into this restorative space. If you have your Bibles, turn to Leviticus chapter 19. Leviticus chapter 19. I had a marker in there and I took it out. The laws of holiness. Leviticus chapter 19 and verse one, the Lord spoke to Moses, speak to the entire Israelite community and tell them be holy because I, the Lord, your God, am holy. Each one of you is to respect his mother and father. Oh, let me stop there. Verse 17. You must not hate your brother in your heart. Rebuke your neighbor directly and you will not incur incur guilt because of him. Do not take revenge. Or bear a grudge against members of your community, but love your neighbor as yourself. Listen to that. You hear the second greatest commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. I'm going to read you something from the Jewish study Bible, Bible, the second edition. In regards to. Verse 17, pent up hatred. And its consequences. This verse is better rendered. Do not hate your kinfolk in your heart. Rather, repro- reprove, your kinsmen so as not to incur guilt, incur guilt because of him. This prohibits one whose fellow has wronged him to keep his resentment inside instead of informing the wrongdoer of his action, lest this bottled up hatred result in a current guilt. What is that guilt? The second verse, the second piece, do not hate your kinfolk in your heart. Rather, reprove your kinsmen so that so as to incur no guilt because of him. In other words, do not take vengeance or bear a grudge against your countrymen. Rather, love your fellow as yourself. Bearing grudges is a result. Bearing grudges results ultimately in vengeance. while well, by refraining from this course of one treats his fellow with the same love understanding and forgiveness one normally extends towards one's own shortcomings that's the jewish study bible second edition page 241 it's hard to Forgive someone when we don't excavate our hearts. And sometimes we need people to excavate, excavate our, we need to archaeological deep dive into our hearts. And what is the issue? Because if we don't, we become guilty of not loving our neighbor as ourselves. Resentment, grudges turn into retaliation. I I have a a buddy that I talk to uh, a couple of times a week, and we've been talking, and he gave me permission to share this. We we talk uh, a couple of times a week, every week, and our conversation, we help each other. And uh, he tells me about people that he has issue with. And mind you, we were talking before the pandemic and we've talked for two years. For two years, we've been talking in our conversations, the people that he talks about, the wrong that they do, man, you would think I, I, I told him, I said, man, the way that you talk about these guys, you would think they can't brush their teeth right. Every time that we get into a conversation, he starts to talk about all of these things, all of these outward things, all of these outward things. He talks about them. He talks about them and and, and he's putting these guys down and and he's talking about them. And I'm listening to him. I'm listening to him. I'm listening to him. I'm listening to to him, just listening. And then the spirit put on my heart, he slipped up and he said, and he said this a long time ago. He said, I asked these people to disciple me. And they said, no. I asked these people to disciple me. I needed help in my marriage. I asked them to disciple me and they said, no. No. And then he just went on, you know, they don't brush their teeth right. They don't come to service right. They don't set this up right. He started going through these things, and I I finally got the courage mustered up, and I said, hey, man, let me ask you this. Were your feelings hurt? And he kind of danced around, and then he finally said, yes. I felt like they rejected me when I needed their help. So he has a grudge. He tells me about somebody else that that he he, he tried so hard to have a relationship with. He says, man, I, I went out and I played tennis with this guy and it was really good. We played and we were a great pair. We played and we had a good time. And I thought that we have a relationship and we would been discipleship partners and blah, 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 that we would grow spiritually together. And the guy didn't reciprocate. And he said it with so much passion and conviction, it almost made me believe that, that man, this guy was supposed to, he was supposed to reciprocate. It was almost like, is this guy out of his mind? We were incredible tennis partners and he didn't want to be my friend. And he said, he didn't want to be my friend. I said, is that why? You feel the way you feel about him. Here's the victory. It took us two years to get there. But he's at the point right now where he starts, before he starts in about all of this outward stuff, he starts with, I'm hurt. We read this text and it's, do you think that in some ways you're you're striking out in vengeance towards them? And this is the victory. He said, yes. In two decades plus of ministry. That's probably the second time that I heard somebody admit. That they were hurt, because an expectation relationally wasn 't met it 's a very vulnerable place to be yeah. yeah. it 's saying that you need someone it 's saying that you are 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 not complete by yourself it, it 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 pulls together this thing that you need people, and yes, we need people in the kingdom now here 's what I will say i don 't know the rationale of These other people. And so I'm not going to be quick to to judge. I don't know that side. But here's the deal. When we talk about being able to forgive someone, there is this piece of forgiving where you have to guard your heart. If you express what you express in anger, if after you express what you express, there is this 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 grudge that you're holding on to. If there is this this vengeance that occurs because you're not dealing, it is hard to forgive and to be restorative people. The kingdom of God is about being restorative. You are given the Holy Spirit and power to be a restorer. Forgiveness is supposed to bring about restoration now. It doesn't always bring restoration because some people don't want to be redeemed. If there's anything that you take from this time is that you have to deal with your hearts if you have grudges, if you are striking out in vengeance, there won't be any restoration. Does that make sense? God is a restorer. You know, even if people won't restore you, God will. God has been restoring humanity, creation since the beginning of time, since the onset of sin. He's been restoring. So I don't want you to be discouraged about where your heart's at, where the hearts of anyone else is at. But I want you to take on this mindset. Mindset. That this morning, God is calling you to be a partner with Him, to be a restorer. Now, I won't get into the second part. I'm going to stop right here, but I'll, I'll say this. One of the other challenges in restoration is that we don't have a plan moving forward. So we just tell people, don't sin, and we keep it moving. Yeah. What I started reading to you is kind of the directives. We don't have these directives. We don't use these directives. And when we don't use them, we we don't use what God gives us. Now, the good news about this is, is that God uh, uh, sent Jesus. Jesus came. He lived on earth. He died for our sins. He's risen again. He's at the throne. He's reigning. He's given his people the Holy Spirit to help him to accomplish his mission. And he'll be back to judge again. I say that to say that I think as Alex read, there's there's something to the word of God and what 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 place it should have in our lives. There should be an allegiance to the word of God. To be restorers, we have to be allegiant to the word of God. And that goes from the sinner and the sinny. They work together to restore. The kingdom. To what it's supposed to be, the world to what it's supposed to be. The challenge is to examine your heart. The challenge is to ask someone. Have I sinned against you? The challenge is to pray and to start to deal with those grudges and get to the real thing. Amen. If you don't get to the real thing, you can't get to the real thing. And trust God to do his work. Because he's always restoring. Even when you don't feel like it. Let's pray. God, thank you for this time. We pray that you would make evident, make clear what needs to be made clear. Father, we ask your forgiveness for those times that we miss being restored. And, Father, we pray in Jesus' name to embrace the forgiveness that we received and to, to give it out, but also to have an expectation for, like was said before, a new life that comes from knowing you. We thank you in advance for what you're already doing,